I'm Beth. And I'm Andrea. We are bringing you the Real Moms Real Life Podcast, your guide to self-empowerment and taking on each day as your best self. This is episode number 41. We have Dr. Aaron Wiseman back to talk about sex. If you would like to submit a question, head over to realmomsreallife.com. Don't forget, all the resources on this podcast are meant for information purposes only and not to be confused for medical advice or treatment. Welcome back, back everyone. Hello. <laughs> I feel like we have a lot to talk about today, so I am just going to introduce Dr. Aaron again, and then we will get into it. Sound good? Fabulous. All right. So Dr. Aaron Wiseman is a family medicine trained osteopathic physician and a fierce advocate for better health and wellness, particularly among healthcare providers and working moms. She lives and practices in rural southwestern Indiana, loves her roles as a farmer's wife, athlete, and mother of three littles ages six, four, and two. Early in her medical career, Dr. Ann realized that she was already burned out from medicine. By rising through this very difficult situation, she has come to recognize the passion of her heart, which is motivated and inspiring others. She focuses her work around like-minded women to know they are never alone in burnout and motherhood and that help is available for those who ask. She lectures, video blogs, and provides personal coaching via Truth Prescriptions. She can be reached on Facebook, LinkedIn, or Instagram and has a new pre- program coming out this summer called Dr. Me First. Hey, quick question. Has that program come, to- come out yet? It is out and it oh, is yeah. rolling and it has been so, so fun. It's been funny. Actually, my doctor colleagues have not been the ones that evidently jumped on it. But um, in my group program, it's actually me and some of my nurse practitioner colleagues. And it has been wonderful. So, Yay. yes, it's good. And I'm going to start enrolling for 2019 um, in a couple weeks. So if people are interested in it, I'm, I'm opening up to anyone and everyone. You don't have to just be a physician to know that you're burned out and you need uh, a better life that's awesome we're gonna have to update your bio the next time you're on (laughs) definitely (laughs) definitely there's a lot that's happened since our first webisode with you guys I am just so glad to be back I'm so excited about this topic Um, when you mentioned it I started singing about let's talk about sex baby (laughs) talk about you and me (laughs) because We need to talk about this more, and I know that it's a topic, being a female physician, a lot of my female patients um, are more likely to open up about it, so I feel like I have a little bit of experience from the doctor side and a lot of bit of experience from the mother of three children side. And so what I wanted to first jump in with you guys, and we'll get to questions and stuff, is talking about sex after baby. Um, You know, regulations are kind of our go-to, what we say is like no sexual activity um, for six weeks. Um, I definitely know a lot of people who are like, "Uh, it's going to be longer than that. And then I know people too who who are like, uh we may have screwed up at like week two. (laughs) And so (laughs) what I first and foremost always tell everybody is it's kind of about um, you, your relationship and how your body's going. Um, Some people have a really traumatic birth. I mean, let's be honest. Not only is it life-changing that you spit a new human out of your body, 
But your poor vagina, it goes through a lot during a vaginal delivery. And I mean, and also your body goes through a lot if you have a C-section as well. And so one thing that I wanted to bring up, and maybe we can talk through a little bit, is um, just not only the physical side of birth and then having sex, but the emotional side. I have so many women patients who come to me and they're like, it's just not the same, or I'm very hesitant about it, or um, even pain, um, maybe not physical pain, but like some emotional type pain that you they kind of relive that trauma of birth. Yeah, totally. I think, I know as a physical therapist, I hear about the pain side a lot, and that was my issue, like physical pain mm-hmm. um, was kind of my bigger issue after my baby because I had had really bad pubic symphysis dysfunction during my pregnancy. And so then afterwards, um, emotionally, I was, it was weird. I remember what they said. I think it was, I think they may have told me eight weeks. I don't know. It was six to eight weeks. And I was like, yeah, don't have to worry about that. (laughs) Like I'm going to be, yeah, I was the one who was like, yeah, that's not happening anytime soon. It was just more because I was just like so physically exhausted, I feel like, versus, yeah, I think emotionally I was like, I was like, yeah, that seems fine. I just have zero desire right now. Like, just don't touch me. Right, right. Um, Yeah, but the pain was the issue. But I had seen a pelvic floor physical therapist pre or while I was pregnant. And so I did end up, you know, when, when I was continuing to have some pain, I did end up going back and seeing one. And I know I talked to women, I mean, who are, you know, 15 years after giving birth and they are, they still are having the pain and they didn't even know pelvic floor physical therapy was an option. Right. Um, Which is a huge, great thing. Yeah. Um, going back so our listeners know, like the, the pubic, that's like your pelvic bones where they meet right at your crotch when that splits mm-hmm. apart, that <laughs> shit is real and it is bad. Painful. So you, oh my God. And then the other thing, yeah, like pelvic floor exercises, if you do not do pelvic floor exercises, I think that's like as essential as crunches, like as just basic workout stuff. Um, we need to put a link in the show notes to some really good pelvic floor exercises. Kegels, everybody hears about Kegels, but there's ac- exercises that actually go beyond Kegels that help with pelvic floor. And there has been some studies that show the strength of your pelvic floor actually, um, it's a weird, weird study, but me being a DO, I bring it up. The strength of your pelvic floor actually can go back to some of your um, self-worth and self-image ideas and why that is if you kind of feel like loosey-goosey down there if things just don't feel right it kind of triggers some internal stuff as well so I've always been very big about pelvic floor exercises um, that I think are super awesome but yeah the pain aspect is huge absolutely huge um, for for women and the other thing I think too that comes up with sex after baby is it doesn't have to be vaginal sex to be intimate with your partner. I always go back with people with that. I'm like, it's not like the big, the big game or nothing. Um, and as long as you're talking to your partner about that, um, it kind of takes the pressure if you're not quite ready to jump into the big game again. And don't feel like that's unusual because it's absolutely not. 
Yeah, I, mean, I think that's such a good point. Sorry, go ahead. No, I was going to say, I, I love that you mentioned it. I had a C-section with my first, and I feel like getting back into sex after C-section, aside from, like, the whole my stomach was cut open, but once I was, like, my abdomen was healed, I wasn't worried about my vagina at all. So it was very different than this time around, where it's like, no, I pushed a baby out there, I tore, I had some stitches, and so... I've been really big about being very open with my husband about like, nope, that doesn't feel good. Okay, that that works. That doesn't work. And I know Andrea mentioned she saw a pelvic floor physical therapist. I saw a pelvic floor. I'm still seeing a pelvic floor physical therapist. We're PTs seeing seeing a PT for this. So that should ring true. And um, I did talk to her and she should be coming on hopefully in a couple of weeks as well to give us some more insight from that, you know, exercise aspect. But it was it was painful the first time and it was like no we need to stop I'm not going to push through this because it's not worth it and uh, my physical therapist she said you know what that's good you didn't because every time you you're going to associate it with pain so you're going to clench up when when you know when penetration is going to happen and that's going to cause even more pain so it's really really important to be uh, you know, vocal with your partner, say, hey, this works, this doesn't. I mean, there's, there are toys that are available and things to help out. I think mutual masturbation can be great. Um, and it just, there's so many options for, you know, as Aaron, Dr. Aaron said, is you don't have to just have sex to be intimate. No, and the other thing too is, you know, going to your doctor, your healthcare provider and talking through things, um, just simple lidocaine gel. So like, you know, there's of course like lubrication you can buy like any stores or whatever, but as a prescription, I've actually prescribed lidocaine gel because like maybe you do have a, where you were sewn up, you know, where you had a tear and you have some scar tissue there and that hurts. Um, but it's something that after as me as your doctor, like checked it out and say, no, it's healed. Everything looks fine. There's no complications. Like maybe that's just something if you want to pursue and say, okay, I understand everything's fine, but it's still hurting. Um, that's one common prescription that I would give to people a lot. And so I would encourage anybody listening, who's maybe having some pain, go get checked out, make sure everything looks okay. And then talk to your provider about like, how can we make this better? Can I get a referral, um, to a pelvic floor specialist, you know, can I try some lidocaine gel, um, different things like that? Because I guess what I'm saying is that pain happens, but it doesn't have to define your sex life. Because I really think sex is such an important part of who we are as women. Just like you mentioned, Andrea, when you get tired and exhausted, like that sexual energy just goes away. Like it's like a vacuum that gets sucked Mm -hmm. out. And I know that when I talk to people, like, how is your health doing? And I bring up like, well, how's your sex life? And they just kind of laugh. And I'm like, no, that's super important because if you're not having sex or you're not interested in sex to me that's showing that there's something else going on totally yeah I completely agree um and I just want to like say Dr. Aaron clearly knows a lot about this and it's probably not your typical like practitioner if you're going in and seeing because a lot of women 
you might have the issue. Like I know my midwives were like, oh, you're and like my midwives were great, but they were like, oh, you're fine. Everything's cleared. But like something still wasn't right. Like they didn't, they weren't really the ones who referred me. I referred myself to the pelvic floor physical therapist. So even if you're getting like a clear medical exam and you've kind of tried things, you, I didn't know about lidocaine gel. That's pretty cool. And you've like tried these things and there's still issues. Like don't be afraid to bring it back up or refer yourself. Sometimes you do need a prescription mm-hmm. for insurance to cover it. But in most, pretty much every state, you could walk into a pelvic floor PT's office and without a prescription, you just might have to pay for it out of pocket, which is what I did because my insurance didn't cover it. But I also wanted to say about pelvic floor PT is I actually brought my husband with me to one of the appointments and he learned that my issue was that I had some muscles in some places that were too tight. Mm-hmm. And so he actually learned like the pelvic floor PT taught him how to release those muscles internally and so it was like before sex for a while. I mean, it wasn't even that long, actually. It was just, I don't know, a handful of times that we really had to do it. He would have to go and I'd be like, all right, you want to get this. You got to go release these muscles first because like <laughs> ever. So, I mean, it was like I mean, kind of awkward at first because it's like, all right, you're sticking your finger up there and it's not sexual right now, you know, but like, yeah. but then we could get into it. It was totally fine. And it was way more comfortable for me, you know, and it was like totally awkward and weird, but it's, it was so worth it because had I not gone through that awkwardness, then sex would have just hurt. And then like, yeah, exactly. Like Beth was saying, like well, your body just associates it with pain. And then, yeah. And part of it too, and it, it sounds crazy. And I, I think it sounds crazy because of just how we're all raised. You have to know your body and that means you have to know your vag. And um, your before baby vag is going to be different than your after baby vag. And I think there's people, they're just scared of the area. And there is no reason to be scared of your vagina, people. It is there. It is fine. People, I always have uh, questions come up as far as like, uh, like vaginal discharge. Here's my thing on vaginal discharge. It's like spit. Everybody has some. It's only a problem when you don't have enough or you have too much. So, like, understanding your body. Get a mirror out. Sit on the edge of the toilet and look at things. I mean, does things look like they used to? Or if you never looked at your vagina, today is the day. Get out and look at things. Because you need to understand exactly that. One big problem I see with women that they don't even self-recognize until I do a pelvic exam on them is prolapse. So prolapse is when the walls of your vagina become weak and either it can be your bladder prolapses into your vaginal vault. So it comes down. Um, You can actually have where like your uterus and cervix start to push down. So that's kind of from the top down. Or you can have like where your rectum is starting to push up from your posterior wall into your, your vaginal area. And it's not evidently a problematic thing, but you need to know if you're feeling pressure or lumps down there that prolapse is very, very common. It's common in anyone who has ever had a pregnancy. It doesn't matter if you had a C-section or you had a vaginal delivery. Um, it's just as common in moms who've had C-sections as well, but it's it's the actual mechanism of pregnancy. One, stretching out your body, stretching out those tissues, and then the pressure of holding your baby 
baby for all of those months that leads to some prolapse. Um, you know, there's some different interventions medically that can be done. But the biggest thing that I tell people, I'm like, you just need to understand what your vag is doing right now. And you need to know what's normal for you and what's not normal for you. Because when you go into your provider's office, like you, instead of just being like, it hurts down there. Like you need to be able to show me with a mirror or with your hand to say, this is the spot right here where it hurts. Because if you can do that, me as your doctor or your doctor can help figure out, okay, what is going on here and what do we need to do to make your life better? And that same thing too with your partner, like you guys are talking about, like they're not like 16 year old boys in the back of a car and it's all dark like they need to understand shit too just like you need to understand their body as well and that's part of the intimacy of a relationship I think when you just like if you're not familiar with each other's bodies if you don't know what you like and what you don't like then there's definitely a huge missing component with that And I know that you guys are all about like tuning into your bodies and knowing what it was. I'm sorry, but you need to understand sexually what is good and what is not good for you and having a partner that you can communicate that with because that makes your relationship even more special, even deeper, and it just broadens that trust level. Totally. I love all of that. I wanted to make a a comment. I was actually talking with a friend this morning, and now my daughter's only four, so we're not there yet, but we were talking about telling our kids, talking to our kids about sex, and one of her friends was saying that she's very open and honest. People have sex because it feels good, and I just, that was just like eye-opening to me because you know what? You know that there's those times where you're like, well, it just, like, even just, you know, it might not feel right physically. It might not feel right emotionally. Like, there's this whole, well, you people have sex because they love each other or something. Well, that doesn't necessarily mean it's going to feel right to have sex with this certain person. So I feel like that's really important, even in a committed relationship, to say, like, no, we have sex because it feels good. And you have Mm -hmm. to think about both the emotional and the physical sides of that because if it's feeling a little bit off and maybe it's because your lack of sleep and you've still got a baby in the the bedroom and you can't do what you normally do, but you, you have to change and you have to have that conversation. And I also think it's an important to be aware of, of your libido and your level of libido, how it matches or it doesn't match your partners because I feel like everyone, even healthy, you know, when there's nothing quote unquote wrong, have everyone has a different level of like their need for sexual intercourse you know some people are hey i could have sex every day or twice a day and feel amazing and great and fully satisfied and if i don't i don't feel satisfied whereas other people like me like i could go a couple weeks and be like okay i'm ready again and and it's not it's just a different level of libido and i have had to have that conversation with my husband to make sure that we're kind of on the same page with that so that neither of us we're both feeling satisfied and neither of us are feeling over pressured or under pressured Right. And I think that goes back to like the communication, like you were talking about, like, if it doesn't feel good, stop, pause, talk, do, you know, it's not anything that you just put your head down and push through. That's, that's not the purpose of sex, like you said. And then the other thing too, like understanding your libido. um, I think first and foremost, you have to acknowledge that you have a sex life and that you, you have sexual energy and then just kind of tracking it just like you would do with like your physical health or, you know, your mental health. Like 
if if something is off and you're like, I'm just don't feel sexual. I don't feel like having sex or I would ask people to key in and think about well, what is going on, you know, and like in my personal life, I'm like, well, maybe it's because I'm working 70 hours a week or, you know, maybe I've gotten myself into a project that's t- absorbing all of my energy and am I okay with that? I Am I okay with something pulling away, um, something that's very important in my life? Um, on the short term, yes. But if it's something on the long term, I I would have to say you're going to have to look at it a little bit closer. Of course, like with baby, um, it's exhausting. It is exhausting those first couple months. And so it's, it's one of those things I think you have to give yourself a little bit of grace with that. And, you know, don't rush, don't push, just keep talking through that. And, and like you said, you know, when there's a baby in the bedroom and it's like a 3 a.m. feeding and, you, you know, all that sort of thing. And then I think also you have to talk with your partner. Why is there a mismatch? You know, what's going on in your life compared to what's going on in my life? And like, how do we get back on board together? And yeah, I mean you may have a super sexed up husband or boyfriend or fiance uh, and that's okay. But when there's a problem is when there's a mismatch with that. And and then when you're not talking through that and, and like you said, when there becomes a, like an over under um, type situation. And so it seems weird to start talking about it, but that's when I tell people to go back to those like I statements, I feel and then just put it out there as far as what's going on or if, you know, if you say, I feel pressured and then understanding why that definitely, I think, can help your, your partner as far as with that as well. Absolutely. And I think also this is, this is my personal experience is I wasn't like having the desire, you know, whatever, eight weeks after, you know, when it was at that point. And like, I just felt no sexual desire, but I think when you are home with a baby and like you have this being you're caring for, it's like very easy to let that drop off and to almost like ignore that side of yourself. Mm -hmm. And so from like pre-pregnancy, I, there was definitely times where like, you know, I wouldn't be in the mood and my husband would be like, try and stuff. And it would like get me in the mood. Right. Like it was like, okay. Like once we start kissing, then I'm like, all right, I'm, I'm good now, you know? And so like, I just knew that about myself too. So I've kind of found, like, I think that if I had waited until I was like, all right, I am like 100% ready. And I'm like horny now. And I'm feeling ready. Like I probably still would have had sex by now. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Yeah. And, and, and so I want to like kind of find that balance. So it's like, maybe just like have some really nice, passionate kisses with your husband. Do you know what I mean? Like try like little baby steps. So here's an exercise I've got for you that I I want to hear. Yeah. Okay. I call it the percentage (laughs) exercise. So like, like when your husband's starting to come on to you, I, you, what you do is you ask like, okay, what percentage do you want to have sex right now? Like, just make them give a number or something like that. And then you do the same thing. Like, when you're talking about it, be like, mm, 12% chance today <laughs> kind of thing. And then 
you exactly passionate kissing uh go watch a netflix movie together you know and then like do another one be like what's your percentage now you know and see what and if it's going up then you're doing the right things and it gets you talking and it's fun if you're like mm, nope we're not good then it's like okay we need to either change the, the plan or go do something else but it's a really fun exercise to get talking uh and saying you know what's your percentage right now and it's fun too then as you're talking, as you're exploring, as you're trying things, then that's feedback. I mean, that's feedback right there to be like, you go from 12 to 65. All right, we're getting somewhere. But here's the thing. Like you said, it's never going to be 100%. I mean, it just, it is not. Um, it, 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 even in, in the act of it, you know, it's not going to be. But what is an acceptable number for you to say, I'm opening myself up to you now? And that's important to communicate to your partner as well. Like, what's an acceptable number? Um, and, and so that gets you thinking. It gets you moving. It's kind of a fun exercise to be like, what's your percentage right now? And then it's code words, too, for other people who don't, don't listen to this podcast and know what it is. That's I great. That. I love that. Yeah, totally. I also wanted to say, too, I mean, I'm not – okay, so I'm going to admit something about I don't love kissing. It's just – I don't know why. It's not my thing. At least mouth-to-mouth kissing. Like, I don't know. Maybe I'm because I'm a germaphobe. But what I really love – is like that slow and steady buildup of like, oh, we're in the kitchen and he like squeezes my butt or, you know, walks by and he like puts his hand, Love you know, that. wraps his hand around me or gives me a little squeeze. Like just sort of those little things that are, you know, we're not, it's not planned. Like it's not, we're not trying to lead to sex or anything. But if we'll do that for a couple of days, then all of a sudden I'm like, oh, wait, no, I'm ready now. Like, yeah, it may have taken two or three days to get here, but those little bits where it was no pressure because, you know, we're in the middle of, like, dishes or something, and it's like, oh, you're thinking about me. And that's just that little, like, oh, that oh that gets me thinking about you too. So I think those little, those little things, or, yeah, that one kiss that's a little bit longer than usual or things like that really help for, for me get me more in the mood for so when that time does come that it's like you know maybe I'm at 80 percent um mm-hmm. it's it's good and then I also had to tell my husband like I'm not going to initiate I'm not I'm not there yet I have no problems if you initiate if I'm not in the mood I will tell you but right now you've got to take the lead on it and then you know and last week I was like okay I'm ready to have sex again and I want to have sex again before my next PT appointment and then we both got sick so it was like all right didn't happen didn't happen and it was like he was like I'm sorry you told me you were ready and I haven't initiated it but then we got the kids to bed early and it was like okay we're ready let's do this so just being there and be like hey I know, like, you know, even if it's like, we're both at work, can't do it right now. But just so you know, I'm ready for whenever you're ready, but but you have to initiate it. Yeah, having that conversation is super important. Um, there's some sex therapists, which is another genre of all of this that uh, we haven't mentioned yet. But sex therapists can be um, a great addition to working through because it's not always the physical sex that needs to be worked through with couples. Um, so much of it is the communication um, and just hearing each other out. Sometimes it's a loss of trust. But anyway, what I was going to get back to say is a lot of the sex therapists will encourage you to do that. Like, go 72 hours. You can't, you know, kind of have some guidelines. Like, okay, this is off limits. Like, the big game is off limits. But 
having that kind of like lead up or like talking to or um, so that then when you do have a time and a place, then it doesn't feel rushed. It doesn't feel awkward. It doesn't feel like um, mandatory because, you know, you still have um, a way to say what you want, what you need. And you've kind of been anticipating that as well. So very good points as far as, you know, talking about like the lead up game as far as with that. And again, I think it just so much goes back to like verbalizing your needs. And I think that is so hard for us as women because we're not really supposed to talk about this sometimes, guys. You know, like like sex is just for like babies and newlyweds and you know, y- you don't you don't talk about it, but yet we are sexual beings. I mean, everybody is having having some sort of sexual energy no matter what it is or where it is um and i think it's just really important to acknowledge that and say that you have to talk about it you have to look at your vagina you you have to uh know know what's good and what's not good and then other things i get comments on from people is like it's the same all the time well, the only person to blame in that situation is you and your partner because it doesn't have to be the same. I mean, there's so much stuff out there. And I'm not talking like you got to watch like hardcore porn or, you know, I, I don't advocate that at all. Um, but there are some things that, you know, it can be different. Just like you said, if you're not into like mouth kissing, there's a lot of other places you can kiss on your body. A lot of other places. So I guess that just... Um, and you know, that's the life coach in me saying, get out of the box. You know, it doesn't have to stay the same. It doesn't have to be 10 o'clock on Saturday night, you know, schedule, like, instead of saying, this is how it always is saying maybe what, what else, what else is there? I'd love to add on to that. Um, I wanted to make a point about breastfeeding because boobs tend to be pretty sexual until mm-hmm. there's milk squirting out of them and then it's like oh maybe not so sexual so i wanted to make a note of like things that are normal it is normal to have letdowns during and after sex mm-hmm. or especially after orgasm in the early days so i personally i'm not comfortable with that so i wear a bra with pads in it so that if it happens i don't you know spray milk on my partner um <laughs> and then uh, we just whereas some milk. partners would like that right we talk about it exactly so we had that conversation but my my boobs are always very sexual before but like when I am you know feeding this child and they they are no longer a sexual thing for me so we just we find other places and I was gonna say too we we talked about how your vagina changes positions that feel good might change too so that in itself can add variety if that's something that you're looking for like okay so this doesn't feel as good as it used to let's try something new there is like hundreds of thousands of positions i know like three you know but <laughs> we're gonna have to get you some comma future cards or something <laughs> absolutely well and it's it's the thing it's it's simple enough as get out of your bed go somewhere else that i mean that's that is enough to kind of to change it up and like going back to um you know breasts are they nutrient or are they sexual they, they really are both. And so you have to see what are you comfortable with? I mean, it, it, 
for some women, when they're pregnant and breastfeeding, like their their breasts are super sensitive and they love it. And then I've heard women say like after they've like dried up and they're finished breastfeeding, like they miss that part. Where some women are opposite. They don't want their their breasts touched until after they're done, like, providing um, the substance for their child. Like, that's their baby zone, and that's fine. You just have to communicate that, and you just have to know that it's okay to be both, or it's okay to just say exclusively, hey, this is the child zone, or hey, this is the daddy zone. You know, like, having the, those areas and having that, that conversation. But I think embracing, like your your womanhood and knowing that you know sex is both um enjoyable but it's also life-giving like like us birthing children that that's why it makes it so complex along with breasts like it's sexual but it's also life-giving you know as far as with our milk and and just embracing both sides of that and saying that I I am strong. I am multifaceted, and my body is wonderful. And then embracing that. That's so great. Um, I wanted to add one thing about the communication piece. And I naturally am not like super, you know, great about communicating about sex. Like that still makes me a little uncomfortable. And I'm sure there are a lot of people listening who are like, "Oh my god!" Like I could never talk to my partner about sex. I think that's really common. And so I just want to say, is first back up and be able to communicate to yourself what you want and need. Like if you can't talk to yourself and figure out what it is you need from your partner or, you know, from your sex life, whatever, then, I mean, you really can't communicate it to your partner. So if you're feeling really uncomfortable right now and you're like, yeah, it does sound like I need to communicate, but like, oh my God, that feels so uncomfortable. Like first get, you know, attempt to get clear with yourself and just ask yourself like, Hey, like what's, what's blocking me from wanting to have sex right now? Like what's really going on? And sometimes it might be like, well, I feel really uncomfortable having sex while the baby's in, you know, in the next room sleeping. And so then maybe it means you guys get a date night and go to a hotel for a night and, you know, yeah. have whatever, like figure out what the block is. Cause I think sometimes there's these blocks that like really, they're like kind of these like silly barriers, you know, and then sometimes yes. they're really major barriers, but unless you know what they are, if you haven't kind of taken the time to just really just keep asking yourself why, like, why is that? What's going on with this block? And if you're coming up with, I don't know, I just don't want to, that's not an answer. I'm always telling my people, I don't know is not an answer. Go with, if I best had to guess, I would say, and just say what your gut instinct is. It is underneath there. Absolutely. yeah. And so many women that I talk to about this, because again, I'm, I'm asking even in my coaching clients about sexual health, you know, so much of it comes back to body image. Like I don't feel good in my body, you know, or after baby, you know, I feel flabby. I, I still have that post baby fat. Like, and, and I think that's important for yourself to say, this is where I am right now. I just pushed out a human being and this is what my body is right now and kind of working through that. But then also talking to your partner, cause I'm going to guarantee nine out of 10 of them love your body. They love your body because you brought forth their child into this world and they think it's beautiful. Um, and, and communicating that and hearing that, that's pretty awesome. I love that you brought that up. I think it is so important to feel comfortable in your own skin. And if you don't feel comfortable, just to be honest about it. And I did want to make, I know I feel like we all want to make one last point, but sometimes you don't know what would feel good or what you do want 
it's a lot easier to say, well, I know that this isn't right, and I know that this isn't right. And that's all you need to know to start. It's like, well, if this position doesn't feel good, or this thing doesn't feel good, or this doesn't feel right, well, that's your starting point. So you don't do that. So we try something else. And if that doesn't feel good, okay, then we try something else. You don't have to say like, hey, I like A, B, and C, because I I mean, I don't always know that. And sometimes changes. So you just need to know what doesn't feel good, because most that question's a lot easier for most of us to answer. We are getting a little close to time. Is there anything else either of you want to add? Go have some sex. (laughs) That's what I said. Sounds good. I I was going to try to add that song into into the podcast, but I think that might might be a a legal issue. So everyone's just going to have to sing it anyway. All right. Well, that's a wrap. Thank you so much for joining us today. For more from Erin, you can find her on Facebook at Truth Prescriptions with Dr. Erin Weissman. And I will link to that in the show notes for you guys. Follow Andrea and I on social media for news, updates, and calls for questions. You can find me, Beth, at Beats of Real Eats and Andrea at Dr. Andrea Moore on Instagram and Facebook. Please subscribe to this podcast so you don't miss an episode and write us a review. Show notes for this episode and all podcast related information can be found at realmomsreallife.com. Oh, are you laughing at the screen? Yeah, that might have been her first laugh.